the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick. Sorry, kids. Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. Roswell in the 21st Century is a detailed re-examination of the Roswell UFO crash case. I have studied the evidence for more than 30 years, and I now put that evidence under a microscope in a cold case examination of the facts. These facts might not please everyone. They are based on my comprehensive investigation that took years to complete, but they do lead to the conclusion that whatever fell was not built on Earth. The best of Project Blue Book is based on the 22-year-long investigation conducted by the Air Force. But the book goes far beyond that, bringing in evidence that was uncovered long after Project Blue Book was ordered terminated. Using facts that were unavailable to the Air Force investigators, I was able to prove that the Air Force manipulated the data and drew unrealistic conclusions about the UFO sightings reported to them. My different perspective shows there was more to Project Blue Book than even the Air Force knew. Both books are available at Amazon.com. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404 474 0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404-474-0086. 
Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this show. Welcome to you loyal fans and to you listeners new to our show. Let me know what you think. We encourage you to tell your coincidence stories to your friends and your family and to post them on your social media. You can also post them on my website, Coincider.com. My guests will continue to help you think about your own coincidences, which kind you have and how to use them from all sorts of perspectives. Remember to remember your stories. And after you talk about the weather, tell your friends your coincidence story. And here's a coincidence story sent to me by one of my coincidence colleagues. When Antonio Gwynn Jr. saw the damage from the protest in his hometown in New York, Buffalo's New York, he, in Buffalo, New York, he grabbed a broom, brought some trash bags, and started cleaning the streets by himself. He started at 2 a.m. on a Monday and did not stop cleaning for the next 10 hours. When an organized group of neighbors arrived later that morning to start cleaning the damage, they found that Gwen had already done most of the work. He's an 18-year-old high school senior, and he saw in local news that the street was covered with glass and garbage, and he knew that people needed to use that street to get to work the next morning. So Matt Block, Another Buffalo resident saw Gwyn's story on the news and decided to give him his prized 2004 red Mustang convertible. Gwyn's mother, who had passed away two years ago, also drove a red, red Mustang. Gwyn says he didn't have any words. That's just the car he wanted. And Block, the previous owner, says it gave him boost goosebumps. Yeah, Gwyn did something wonderful and a coincidence brought him the car he wanted. And our guest today, our guest today will encourage you to think about conspiracy theories and coincidence. Yes, conspiracy theories are often based on coincidences that that people use sometimes to confirm their already strong beliefs. Yes, our guest today is Neil Killian a psychologist and former management consultant who for about 20 years founded and ran his own outplacement company in, yes, Sydney, Australia. He interviewed thousands of employees from wide ranges of organizations and slowly made several key observations regarding major life changes in people's lives. He developed a theory known simply as life cycles. For example, Age 36 represents a profound marker for change in many of the people's lives that Neil has studied. He now has written four books all about life cycles, and the current one is available on, uh, on Amazon called Life Cycles-Coincidences 2020. All books are multi-award winners. Life Cycles Theories is fact-based, and we welcome Neil Killian back to the show. Neil, it's great to have you back. 
Oh, it's wonderful to be back, Bernie. Thank you. You're welcome. And let's let's do um, your life cycles theory and what it is, and then how it connects with ideas, your ideas about conspiracy theories. Yeah, sure. Well, in a nutshell, uh, what I did was run a validation study about 20 odd years ago, and I had the business. And uh, it was to do with the theory of uh, Daniel Levinson, who had uh, career stages. Now, uh, I simply wanted to test that out on an Australian sample to see whether his mid-career stage in particular uh, was true of uh, the people that I had through the program. And what I came up with, as you've mentioned before, was this amazing outcome of all these uh, very profound changes that were taking place in people's lives at just one age, at the age of 36. I have no idea to this day why that it should be so, but it does represent what I consider to be a brand new form of coincidence, as I've discussed with you. Over many times, many times, a brand new form. <laughs> and uh, and, 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 and fact-based, and fact-based, that's what you And fact-based, absolutely. Uh, no, no evidence, no theory. That's what my <laughs> belief is. That's, it's that simple. Uh, I've also seen early career markers. This is where the 12 years come in, at the age of 24, and late career markers at the age of 48. So... We're looking at um, things happening every 12 years. What I've distilled this down into is that uh, it seems to me like a personal revolution in people's lives that takes place. Uh, either a new era starts or uh, some highlight uh, that represents a, a big shift in, in their life, major achievement, perhaps it's going into business, perhaps it's changing direction in a profound way. Uh, I call it the year of revolution. It's that simple. All those uh, ages at 24, 36 and 48 are all called years of revolution. Uh, the only other major concept I have to get through to people rather than look into the minutiae of the theory is that seven years later, I see another period of change. Uh, a, a new direction is shaping. It happens in a more gradual way than the revolution process. And I call that the year of broken pathways. So the other years I look at are the years of 19, 31, 43, and 55. The year and they, of, broke, of broken pathways. Broken pathways, yes, yes. What, what, what do you just, mean by broken pathway? I simply mean that... Uh, it seems that the pathway you've been on gets altered and you can't return to where you were because things have changed. Oh. Now, I always need to um, illustrate because it sounds like uh, uh, just a mathematical equation. So, look, I'll just take one case to illustrate what I'm talking about. The famous author J.K. Rowling uh, for instance, at the age of 24, perhaps not the 36 one, but nonetheless, she had a profound and revolutionary uh, change in her life when she was on a delayed train journey. And the whole concept and thought process for Harry Potter literally fell into her head instantly. She reports this on her own fan page, so we're in no doubt about it. 
Um, it's strange. It's not the sort of thing that should take place. So if you're looking at it from a statistician's point of view, you can't say that these things were, you know, uh, meant to be. They come along every so often. It only came along once in her life. She began writing that very night, Philosopher's Stone. Now, it took her seven long years to get the first book published. She didn't believe she'd get there. Uh, she got knocked back after knocked back. But sure enough, at the age of 31, with that seven-year uh, journey, what I call the unbroken forward momentum part of the journey, um, changed forever when she got published. Her new challenge was to write more books, to uh, garner an audience, to uh, uh, build on what the opportunity that presented itself. And then at 36, the next big shift for her happened when the first Harry Potter movie came out. And again, this brought a whole new era. It was brought to life by the actors. Daniel Radcliffe was a very embodiment of the theory. Uh, this is the sort of process that I look at, as unlikely as it sounds, um, for so many people. So... Yeah. Yeah, and it and you're you have expressed to me your frustration in being able to find an audience, kind of like J.K. Rowling. Uh, you know, you've got something. She thought she did too, and you're not able to get enough attention to what you found. Well, basically, yes. I mean, uh, in this current book, people, if they read it, they will read that I uh, took things one step further and I approached. Uh, what is one of the leading sceptical organisations uh, worldwide. I actually had a series of discussions with their executive officer Who and was? said, I'd, I'd like you to have a good look at what I'm doing. I'd like you to give me your opinion. And who was the executive office, officer? Okay. It was the um, Skeptic Society. It was founded by a guy called Michael Shermer, uh, and worldwide, they claim to have over 50,000 members. Now, I looked at the Australian organisation and they have uh, a full-time uh, executive officer uh, position. And he's the guy that I spoke to on the phone. And well, then Michael, Michael, Shermer's an interesting, Michael Shermer is an interesting case uh, because he had a remarkable uh, coincidence around the time that he was married, where um, his wife was from Germany and terribly missed um, her grandfather who had died and wanted him to be present because there was no other family member available. And he, she had gotten a, a radio of his, an old transistor radio from Germany. Michael tried to fix it right when the wedding began to start. This radio that was silent the whole time he tried to fix it began playing romantic songs and played them for the next 24 hours and then stopped short, never to go again later. And Michael Shermer was deeply impressed by that and had to be wondering about how it happened. But because he is a natural born skeptic and his, his finances are based on being a skeptic, he had to throw it out. Now we've come to the end of this segment. We're speaking, we're speaking with Neil Killian. We are talking about life cycles, life cycles theory, and we are going to get to life cycles and conspiracy theories.
Are you looking for psychic services that empower as well as provide accurate information? Jenny is a third generation psychic with extensive esoteric training. A practicing professional intuitive for over 30 years, her accuracy is astounding. While most psychics can read what will happen to you if you don't change directions, Jenny understands the future is subjective. While there is a river of time we all traverse, that river has many waves, eddies, currents, and tributaries from which to choose. With Jen E as your guide, you can explore the many possible outcomes in the river of time and navigate your course to the one of your liking. Take control of your future. Book your life-changing session with Jenny today at www.gen-e.net. That's www.gen-e.net. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality is formulated from zoolite whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past life that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. Welcome back to CC with BB. Uh, I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and we are talking with Neil Killian about skepticism and pseudo-skepticism. Neil, you presented your information to the Skeptic Society of, of Australia, the executive director. Uh, tell us what you did and how they, uh, how they absorbed it and didn't absorb it. Yes, sure. Uh, what I did was um, give them the results of a study, an extensive study that I'd published in my uh, previous book in 2018, where I tracked uh, celebrity deaths over a two-year period and showed an amazing amount of correlations, both with the age 36 year and sometimes with the 24 or 48 as well. Um, what they did was largely ignore uh, this evidence, 
Uh, instead, they tried to come up with perhaps there was one or two celebrities that you didn't include in your study, um, that sort of thing. When I presented some new cases to them, they created their own um, imagined uh, important turning points. And they uh, did it. They did it by creatively for them selecting what they wanted to know or use to prove that you weren't right. Well, that's right. Uh, absolutely. The first case I gave them detailed information was um, George Martin, the producer of all the Beatles music and how at age 36, his whole life changed in an instant uh, when he very reluctantly hired the Beatles. Um, instead, a, that was a big change, definitely. It was a huge change and it was for one of the most trivial of, of reasons. He didn't actually like them. Uh, and he sat down and said, look, I've hoed into you guys and told you what I think is wrong with your approach to music. Have you got anything to say to me in response? And George Harrison said to him, yes, come to think of it, I don't like your tie. And at that <laughs> stage, it broke George Martin up. And then the Beatles relaxed, went into comedy mode, and he uses a phrase that I've seen in a number of occasions. He said, I just fell in love with them at that point, you know, and... Uh, and the rest is history. Uh, and it all happened in that one moment on the spot. At, now, age, at George of, Martin's age 36. And when he was 36, yes. And how long did the reign with the Beatles last with Martin? Seven years till he was 43. So there's your unbroken forward and, momentum. And that's the point you're trying to make. And what you did was give the Skeptic Society um, the, the Wikipedia entrance about telepathy and what you did was go through the people in that entry at least the first 10 and try to demonstrate uh, your life cycles theory and what you were able to do was show that six out of ten fit the theory uh, at age 36. Yes absolutely uh, if you look at the um, probabilities of that happening um, they're very large indeed. I mean, uh, these people's um, average age was in their around the 70s, 80s plus. Uh, I'm just looking at one select uh, year in their life, uh, possibly two if nothing turns up. Uh, and yet all this amazing information turned up. Uh, and, again, the, and they... And they didn't like it. Now, now I don't know why they wouldn't like that, Niels, because you're, you're trying to present data to them. Uh, so you were going against some kind of idea about reality that they didn't like. What, what, what did they not like about that? Well, that's right. They, they never told me. They never told me. Uh, I, I sent it. I sent uh, a summary statement of uh, the results and how I saw it. I sent them all the detailed uh, biographical information, which is what I use all the time. Uh, what they didn't know was that I'd gone ahead and analysed the next 10 in order and got exactly the same stat. Six out of those 10 illustrated career change, major achievement, things that defined their lives in that 36 year. And in addition, some information on the 24 and 48 years, giving me almost 100% coverage well, you're you're a, you're a guy crying in the wilderness now, trying to find people to listen to you, and our audience is listening to you. And age thirty six um, is a key 
year in your research. So where our audience is probably thinking about, well, what had happened to me at age 36 or what happened to people I love who are older than me who when they passed age 36, they went through it. Oh, they're thinking about that and they must, some of them will like to tell you their stories. So where can they where can they send you their stories? What email contact can you offer for them? Sure. Uh, my name in lowercase, it's N-E-I-L-K-I-L-L-I-O-N at gmail.com. Neil Killian, okay, at gmail.com. If you can't get to Neil that way, go to my email address for for coincidence people. It's coinciders dot, at coinciders at gmail.com. Dot com. So, and, and I recommend to people, if they're interested, to go to Facebook and put my name there because uh, I have uh, copious material uh, in the, on the Facebook page. Neil Killian and Facebook. Okay. Now, what we're aiming towards today, Neil, is, is using life cycle theory as a springboard to looking at uh, conspiracy theories. And the point of... Um, our discussion is that the basis of many coincidence theories is maybe of conspiracy theories are coincidences. And the coincidence that stands out most in the world right now is the coincidence between the, the location of the level four virology lab in China the, lo the location of that lab is 20 miles from Wuhan, China, where we've had two outbreaks, first an epidemic, 2000, early 2000s, and now a pandemic coming out of Wuhan, the coronavirus 19. And we have to make a connection between the two because a coincidence has to do with two events coming together in a surprising way with a possible explanation. So is it, is it a mere coincidence, as some people want to say? Yes, and, yes. And, Sorry. And is it a mere coincidence, as some people want to say, or is it uh, something that correlates? Is there a connection between the two? And conspiracy theories begin with saying, in this case, there's a connection between the location of the virology lab and the fact that it the, the outbreaks began in Wuhan. So let, you, you can talk, let's talk about that Neil, that, that, um, that Kuntz book uh, that seems to predict it. But the real question we've got here is, what's the connection between Wuhan and the virology lab? Yeah, sure. Um, first, I should update people in terms of uh, what has become quite uh, a well-known area of, uh, of the web. There's a lot of searches done in this area. But somebody pointed out to me uh, that a fellow back in 1981 by the name of Dean Kunst uh, had a, a novel published called The Eyes of Darkness, in which he talked about an important and dangerous new biological weapon that was developed in a lab. Now, originally that was in Russia, uh, but with the fall of communism in 1989, um, he re-released that novel, and this time he located it in the city of Wuhan. 
outside China, which is an amazing thing. He calls so, it Wuhan. So, so we can we'll skip ahead here, Neil, because that is an amazing coincidence that he predicted. Uh, they seem to predict something. And also, um, there was a, a Netflix uh, series called Limitless, and one of the episodes has a, vir a viral outbreak uh, in New York City that paralyzed the city much like it did in real life. So we are come we we recognize that uh, that novelists and fiction often pre can predict the future. And there are many instances of that. But what about the connection between the virology lab and the Wuhan? And what is that a mere coincidence or is there something to it, Neil? Um, well, there's overwhelming, if you like, circumstantial evidence to say that um, there's a connection, a definite connection with that lab and the origins of the current uh, pandemic. Uh, because um, the lead researcher, so-called the Batwoman, uh, Xi Jing Li, who originally discovered the SARS um, virus back in 2002, has uh, admitted, because she is um, uh, the major player in this, that she was working on um, experiments with live bat viruses being introduced to human cells. And the U.S. Embassy in, in China expressed grave concerns. Um, and there's two possibilities of how um, this could have translated to humans. Either a researcher picked it up um, on a, a virus collecting trip. So these bats that she op operates with, uh, a couple of hundred miles away, they're nowhere near the city of Wuhan, but she makes these field trips there. In fact, they have a fairly damning photo of her uh, wearing no protective clothing and being in very close proximity to one of these um, infected bats. Uh, so something could easily have been picked up on one of those trips, mm. or it could have escaped from the lab. And there are some uh, stories circulating about people who have actually uh, sold some of the animals that are well, we're we're going to come, come back to those people who have maybe sold some of those animals and some other possibilities. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We're talking with Neil Killian about conspiracy theories and coincidences. How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. 
Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. Audience, if you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com, or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hydes can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Yes, welcome back to CC with BB. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beipman, MD. We're talking with Neil Killian about coincidences and conspiracy theories. And here we have Wuhan and the virology lab. And uh, we're talking about ways in which there actually might have been a link between the virology lab and the outbreak of not only SARS, but also uh, the coronavirus. So you, you were telling us about how it seemed possible that people from the lab uh, took some of the infected animals and uh, sold them in the, uh, in the market, the, the fresh meat market of, um, of Wuhan. Yes, they were really out to, to make some money on the side. In fact, there's one report that I found really interesting, whether it's uh, 100% accurate or not, it's that... Um, most of them made some money, but one individual made in the region of a million dollars. He was subsequently jailed for a couple of years as a result of being so, caught. A million dollars from selling animals from the lab sounds, in, in the market? Sounds a bit uh, extreme, I know, it does, but it does, that's certainly it been reported. Well, boy, it's so hard to know what to believe these days. That's right. Uh, you know, I think the the reality is, though, that um, it's that human motivation uh, which can bring any system 
Are there any other possibilities, do you think? I mean, for conspiracy theorists, keep in mind, conspiracy theories uh, are often used to substantiate well-established beliefs in a person's mind. And rather than being um, skeptical, uh, they use the information to substantiate what they already believe. So those who strongly believe that China is a malicious intender in the world, trying to dominate in various ways, uh, are able to suggest that uh, the Chinese government had some role in releasing the virus into Wuhan. Look, that's more difficult to pin down. I think there's no doubt that there was a top-level security review by uh, the Chinese government, and it, and it found that the Wuhan lab did not meet their own national standards. In fact, Xi Li, when she first heard about the coronavirus situation, uh, was on record as saying, oh, my gosh, I hope it's not my lab huh. that's responsible. Um, so uh, it, there's an element of um, how much intent was and how much was... Uh, a mere matter of accident. Um, yeah, and, instance, and, his, and that's what a coincidence is. We just don't. It, is it is it an intent, or is there somehow it just happened randomly? That that's it exactly. Um, and the U.S., uh, for instance, has expressed concern um, that their top-level biosecurity lab in Kansas um, may well um, have issues with keeping a lid on um, these viruses. Uh, and there's been a, a paper written to say that looking forward for top-level biosecurity labs, there's more than 50% chance of some virus escaping. Uh, now, that's a concern when you look at China, who wants to roll out a series of biosecurity level four labs uh, across the, its country. So um, I think the, the element here is... What are we trying to do? Are we trying to um, stamp out wet markets and the possibility of um, people catching disease there? Or are we trying to improve the safety standards at top level biosecurity labs, uh, China and in other countries, I might add? Well, it reminds me of um, nuclear power, um, the same uh, problem of uh, security um, and having to watch out for it. But I don't know the positive benefits of, of making new viruses. But let's, let's, let's try another, let's look at another story, uh, and that's of Lyme disease. Lyme disease is um, named after the Connecticut town of Lyme. Uh, and Neil, tell us about uh, a story that seemed to uh, predict uh, what happened, what may have happened with Lyme disease. Yes, I should let people know that there was an interesting connection about how I got onto this in the first place, that um, people with the uh, bent on coincidences would enjoy. Uh, it really came out of the fact that when you read one of my three articles on the coronavirus and life cycles, uh, you added a comment. And your comment actually suggested that um, what happened with uh, the biosecurity lab in China could well have had a mirror in terms of what happened with the spread of Lyme disease and how it became controversial. And then something um, 
you know, juried in my mind about a book that I'd read some 20 years ago called Plum Island, because I read in your own report that you attached that the whole thing generated from Plum Island. Now, now Nelson's and, and, and Bill, Plum Island had a lab on it that was looking at ticks. Yes. Uh, that's that's right. Uh, so Nelson DeMille, who was then one of my favourite authors, wrote this book called Plum Island, which dealt with the fact that there was a, a married couple of researchers in their animal uh, disease laboratory who um, were murdered because they were selling um, viruses that could be like bioweapons um, for money. So, you know, we're dealing with a similar sort of possible scenario in China and other places, you know, the human factor coming in. Now, with uh, Lyme disease, I, I note here that the first outbreak was in 1975. Um, scientists then said, look, all the animals have been killed. They, you, you can't, it's not um, coming from our disease laboratory. Um, however, conspiracy theorists said, and this is um, reported to be you know, quite a reasonable possibility that By birds... Who? who has reported that? Um, the uh, people who are looking at um, the possibility of a link between uh, the virus escaping from uh, Plum Island uh, to the mainland and creating the Lyme disease. Uh, the, the fact is, if you uh, look at um, the spread of this thing, that the number of cases, once it uh, started in 1975, the number of cases jumped tenfold in one year and the government didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to provide an answer on it. So those people with qualifications, again, in, in that area, uh, said that birds regularly fly between the mainland and Plum Island and they can easily enough spread the virus. So um, there was like an alternate way to, to look at that situation. Um, and then in 2004, a guy called Mick Carroll uh, wrote a book called Lab 257, in which he um, definitely said that Lyme disease escaped from Plum Island. Um, and, let's, the, and let's be clear, Plum Island is located right off the coast of Lyme. Connecticut. Correct, a couple of miles away. And that's and so how did how did Lyme disease get called um, get called Lyme disease? Well, how because of the, the town. I the know, town but the, but that suggests yeah. that it emerged from Plum Island. It's the same kind of connection that I thought we saw with uh, Wuhan and the virology lab. Location suggested that there's a correlation and that might have a causation. Exactly, exactly. Out of the um, the first novel by Kunst, he talked about the Wuhan 400th uh, viable strain of microorganisms, uh, which is the amazing uh, correlation when you consider it was done 20 years ago. Um, and DeMille uh, started to talk about uh, scientists being murdered because they were selling the virus um, that they were developing in this animal disease laboratory, which it turns out was a top security bioweapon lab during the Cold War. So there's been other links to experiments um, done that were 
perhaps not all um, just the study of foot and mouth disease and other animal issues. It's a it's a intri intriguing thing these correlations in locations, uh, and I'm I'm trying to see how you went from um, uh, life cycles theory to conspiracy theory. Well, it was really a bit of a tangent. I, I started with Kunz because at age 36, that's when he first wrote The Eyes of Darkness. All I did was 1981 minus 36, and that was his year of birth. It was really that straightforward. And then the seven-year um, period, the unbroken forward momentum to when he did his second version and he located it in Wuhan, uh, that was at age 43. So I, I, I looked at that. Uh, I simply took uh, your comment on the face, my Facebook page uh, and it suddenly produced this other interesting area. I, I would like to cover another one that I got um, from my own research, though, and it, it links back to the well, whole well, thing let's, about let's, pandemics. Let's, let's, go that, let's go to that in the next segment because we're not going to have time for that. But what, you, what you're telling me is that you got to conspiracy theories because of a comment I made and, you're, and remembering a novel you had read which, called Plum Island, which suggested perhaps that something happened between Plum Island and, I'm going to say, the city of, the, the city of Lyme that helped cre create Lyme disease, as it's called, and that it seemed to have emerged from somewhere near Lyme, just like it could be called Wuhan disease, but uh, politically, it's that's not correct. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We're talking with Neil Killian about life cycles and coincidences and conspiracies. abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again simultv.com simultv.com what's simultv.com that's what i asked them they had it written on the side of their ufo how do you spell that ufo no i mean simultv.com s-i-m-u-l-t-v.com s-i-m-u-l-t-v.com right S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past life that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. 
Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. It's formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. Welcome back to CC with BB. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Bateman, MD. We are talking with Neil Killian, the creator of Life Cycles Theory. And Neil, you want to tell us about the famous pump and the beginning of epidemiology. Yes, this is one that I got from my own research originally, where the life cycles analysis of uh, the chap who was called the father of epidemiology, that's uh, Dr. John Snow, um, I found out that his age 36 year uh, created the break, the breakthrough that defined his career and went on to uh, look at the um, founding of the whole discipline of epidemiology. <clears throat> so um, he was a London doctor uh, and he experimented with anaesthetics in, in particular, um, but he was moved because of a cholera outbreak um, that killed so many people. Uh, it, it originally started in, in London, in the first outbreak was in 1832, and it killed around 6,500 people, uh, became known as King Cholera. Um, <clears throat> then a second outbreak of the epidemic began in 1848, um, and one of the major issues there was sanitation. Uh, because really uh, raw sewerage went into the Thames and we know how bad things were and how bad things smelt, by the way, in London in, in those days. Uh, and so um, there was no uh, treatment uh, per se for, um, for cholera. It was a pretty awful way to die and, and you die uh, pretty quickly. Uh, but... Um, one of the earliest uh, theories which held a lot of sway back then was that the real reason that cholera got spread between people was because of the bad air, uh, the miasma, as they called it, uh, and that, in fact, um, it had to do with the correlation between um, the height of your uh, situation vis-a-vis -vis the Thames. In other words, the lower you were down, uh, the more the chance you had of catching it. 
Um, now, um, he, uh, this chap called Farr, uh, William Farr, produced um, a lot of uh, <coughs> statistical work showing that there was a link between the amount of people who died from cholera and literally how high the, their situation was, where they lived, etc. What Dr. John Snow did was challenge it at its very um, base level. Uh, you see, cholera is something which affects the gastrointestinal system and uh, literally turns it um, turns it to mush. Uh, however, uh, the miasma, the the bad air. If that was the reason, then it should display pulmonary symptoms such as flu and pneumonia and uh, things like the, the current virus. But, of course, it didn't. Uh, so he wondered uh, whether uh, this added up or not. And he published uh, his theory in 1849, and, of course, that at his age 36 year, called On the Mode of Communication of Cholera, and he focused on water from the Thames River, as the cause of the 1848-9 epidemic, which killed ultimately some 7,500 people across London. Um, <clears throat> so the issue there for him was a little bit like my issue. He, he came up with this new um, proposal, but it wasn't widely accepted. Uh, this chap far held sway with the, um, the mainstream uh, point of view, and, uh, and for many years, in fact, uh, unfortunately, Snow died early, uh, but even after his death, it still took a number of years before uh, Farr ultimately changed tack and, and suggested that he'd been wrong all along and it was to do with the drinking water. Now, the very famous story to do with the pump, and anyone who visits London could um, visit this area and see for themselves, is that... There was another outbreak in 1854, and this time uh, <clears throat> John Snow said, uh, what I'm going to do is take the handle away from the pump that supplies the water, the drinking water for the people in this district. And suddenly uh, the rate of in infections went down, went down quite dramatically. Now, this has become a landmark event in epidemiology. Uh, Snow founded the um, uh, Epidemiology Society. Uh, he was instrumental in um, getting the whole thing now, I, I professional. He's he's central to the history of epidemiology, no question about it. And I use that in one of my um, articles about coincidences. Uh, the, the the was it a coincidence or not? Take away the handle and uh, and the disease goes down. And and naturally enough, the editor, one of the editors, said, "Oh, it would have gone down anyway." And this is the kind of doubt that is easy to bring up because whether it would have gone down or not, the water was carrying the cholera. And I knew that from going to East Pakistan and seeing that cholera exists in water and people drink it and they get their GI problems. So Snow came up with something, whether it was a coincidence or not, he, he found he, his theory was right. And I have it from, I'm back to the Lyme disease question. I have it uh, from my special agent, uh, Rob McConnell, um, from Sam Telford. Uh, that there probably wasn't any bioweapon with Lyme disease, which I never thought there was, but there 
that, that it might have just escaped because they were looking for it. Um, they were they might have just escaped while they were studying it. But according to the Washington Post, um, published August 11, 2019, the Lyme disease probably was discovered rather than created uh, because uh, the sites around Long Island uh, were some of the first places to discover that it was uh, what what was causing the Lyme disease. So here we have a potential reverse causation. Yeah, there were military um, labs around there, but it was that the labs were capable of seeing what was going on and testing what was going around them. So we have to keep trying to figure out stuff. Some of it is really hard to know what's true these days. It really is. So Neil, you, the, what is it? What what do you, where are you about coincidences in your work, generally speaking? Uh, generally speaking, I find that it's amazing how many that I've unearthed uh, simply by using um, my formula. Um, you know, e examples of that would be uh, Charles Dickens. You know, did he drive a man to suicide at the age of 24? There's a, a lot of material on that. Uh, Books have been written about it, etc. Uh, and I, I dug that one up uh, by accident. Um, did Gail Shee um, steal the work of uh, um, <clears throat> Roger Gould and, and to some extent Daniel Levinson to publish passages? Well, you know, there's been a court case about that. <laughs> and uh, she's had to give 10% of her uh, earnings from those books to, uh, to Gould. Um, yeah, this what, sort what, of thing. Another one of those favorites is is um, is who um, is the qu question of uh, the discovery of the telephone, um, because uh, uh, two different people came came to the uh, copyright office at the federal government uh, on Valentine's Day, and uh, I think it was 1862, um, and presented almost the same possibility uh, from two different people. And one of them was Alexander Graham Bell, and he's the one that won it. But there were plenty of uh, lawsuits about whether um, Graham Bell and had stolen it or the other guy had stolen it. Uh, they didn't know. And uh, it, it resolved that Bell could continue with his. But the, these things coming together are puzzle people. And we are left with lots of doubt sometimes about what's true. And in the midst of doubt, we have to make decisions. So Neil, what is the what are the implications of your life cycle theory? So at age 36, what is somebody supposed to be doing uh, now that they, they believe perhaps that your correlations are causative somehow? Uh, what are they supposed to do with uh, beginning, reaching age 36 uh, or thinking about age 36? How does that help somebody? Yeah, sure. Um, Bernie, the phrase I use is um, you can't make these things happen, but you can be aware of the possibility uh, that something important might happen. It certainly happened in my life and I couldn't have altered it. Uh, I simply went along with the ride, as it were. That resulted in the founding of my outplacement company by a third-hand means of putting me in contact with the leading outplacement company in the UK. Um, you know, that, that sort of thing. Now, if you're aware of the theory, uh, you could be aware of things as they are happening to you. And you could say to yourself, ah, you know, perhaps that's a clue. I have 
a definitive um, two-stage approach to this. There's a low point uh, that I call the um, moment of frustration and setback, um, and, and I equate that to like the death of the old cycle, and then there's the moment of breakthrough, um, the moment of achievement. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, uh, when Muhammad Ali was uh, 36, he, he lost this fight, uh, which was the worst loss of his career uh, to this uh, young guy who'd only had half a dozen fights beforehand. Um, and that was his low point. And then he came back after putting himself through intensive training and had a rematch and, and won that and became the first, uh, you know, three-time holder. Uh, we're, the, uh, we're coming to the end of our show, Neil, and uh, you've got potential food for thought for our audience, but how to use it uh, becomes, I think, an important part of what what we need to be able to hear more about from you. You've been listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, and our guest has been Neil Killian, the author of Life Cycles Theory. 